We spend far too much time worried about what makes us different than the next person or better than the next person and not enough time thinking about why we should respect the next person. We all have a story, an overarching theme that runs through our lives and makes us who we are. The problem is, we think that since each of our stories is different, there's not a lot of perceived value or shared struggle. But we have far more in common than we can imagine, and what motivates one person can certainly help us as well. The Third Lab Podcast is about understanding, respecting, and appreciating the struggle that it takes to overcome immeasurable odds in order to reach your destiny. Join me as I interview and bond with some of the most inspiring and incredible people, diving into their why to get a full understanding of their being. Without each other, we have nothing. So let's go on this adventure together and take on the future with open minds and open hearts. Welcome to the Third Lap Podcast. going on everybody thank you once again for tuning in to the third lap podcast uh, i'm really excited today to connect with the person i'm always excited to connect with the guests that i have but today um i get a chance to speak to y'all g's who is a rapper entertainer poet and tv producer um get a chance to learn about just his pathway to where he is and and some of the things that he's had to overcome to get to where he currently is and certainly where he sees himself going in the future and so y'all man what's going on how's everything going today Good, man. How you doing, bro? Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, absolutely. I'm good. You know, like we talked about, I just got my eye on this puppy who was over here roaming in the background trying to get yeah. himself in it. No good. I but, feel um, you. I feel you. Yeah, no, nah, I'm good. He'll be okay. Yeah, nah, of course. He'll be good. <laughs> um, and so quickly, how we know each other. So actually through Twitter, um, yeah. I, I started following you on Twitter, saw some of the posts that you've put out um specifically the rap post so you know definitely that the uh lakers winning the championship the video that you put out i was like yeah. okay man he's spitting them bars and so i went back through um and checked out some of the other work that you had available on your twitter i know that you you dropped your album already or is, is it coming yeah. out no i dropped did. I, dro I dropped it on uh october 27th okay. 28 28th 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 perfect and what's the name of the album so people could go check it out uh, it's called Back to the Basement. It's a uh, it's a rap project. Uh, um, if you're familiar with my projects, a lot of most of my projects are pretty conceptual uh, for the most part. But uh, I guess I stayed in that same lane. This is kind of just a very just a rap project that I just kind of wanted people to just hear me rap and kind of like take people back to a time when you know uh, it was just you going downstairs, hanging out with your friends. You know what I mean? And I always say I, I always um, I always spit rhymes with my to, for my friend's approval first you know what i'm saying so i kind of wanted right. to go back to that to that uh era aspect of rapping and uh it's a really fun album i think people like it people are just starting to catch up to the bars uh it's been out a couple weeks now so people are just starting to catch up with, to a lot of the bars and they're hitting me on the side so it's been a good look man go check that out if y'all can yeah absolutely man and and that's how i started actually i was i started rapping in my homie's basement he would just throw yeah. the beats on and we were just rapping in the scythe so yeah. um i could definitely relate to that era for sure it's the rep your hood section so where you from man where where you coming from so as far as my where i'm from uh so i was born in harvard connecticut uh ended up moving to jersey when i was like three i guess so i spent a lot of my my uh childhood in new jersey between like east orange uh Woodbridge and like North Brunswick. Um and then for high school I ended up going to a uh a border boarding school in uh outside of Philadelphia called Church Farm School. That's in uh Chester County. Uh so I was there, you know, got a lot of my um beginnings and like uh my impressions of rap came from that era when I was in Philadelphia. I was listening to a lot of um a lot of black thought. Um Bahamadia was big at the time. Uh, Major Figures was a huge, huge deal at the time. Uh, Beanie Siegel, uh, you know, so th th those are kind of the guys I was rooted in as far as Philly is concerned. But I also, I used to, you know, I loved Red, Red Man. I loved Big. Um, you know, I loved, um, I used to listen to um, Raekwon and Mace and um, DMX. That whole era was uh, very keen on me as far as, uh, I guess, my upbringing in rap kind of kind of grew me up a little bit. Um, so yeah, I got, I got into rap a little later. Well, around that time, a lot, a lot of my friends had got into rap way before that. But um, my parents, well, my dad wasn't is not a huge rap fan. My mom is like a devout Christian. She was totally against, um, not totally against, but she's against a lot of me listening to it in the house. So yeah, I used to try to get it piece bits and pieces here and there. But when I got, ended up going to boarding school was when I got my first full run 
and then um, graduated high school, ended up going to college upstate New York, outside of Syracuse, a place called Oswego State University. Um, and that's where I started hanging out with a lot of people who are actually from New York City, people, a lot of people, cats from the Bronx, a lot of cats from Brooklyn. So I had started getting that influence on, uh, as far as my rap skills, started listening to like, uh, you know, I wasn't a huge fan, but I was listening to Mob Deep. I was listening to a lot of Cameron, um, uh, who else? Uh, AZ, Nas. I, I, I'd always listen to Nas, but that's what college is probably when I really, really started like dive into Nas. Um, so there's that. And I, um, so that's where I started really rapping uh, for real. Um, uh, doing little radio freestyles and stuff like that. And then doing little talent shows here and there. And um, ended up getting a job at ESPN out of college. Stopped rapping for about a year or two because I was trying to focus on, you know, career and you know, um, TV producing, but I ended up, uh, being really frustrated with it. So, um, I decided to start rapping again randomly and, uh, put out a mixtape called entry entry level in 2010. Uh, you know, got word, got around ESPN campus that I had done a mixtape or album, whatever you want to call it. It was really good. People really loved it. Um, so then that turned into somebody asking me to do, um, spoken word pieces for the NFL season. And I did one. Everybody loved it at ESPN. Uh, and so that ended up turning into a, a series of them, five or six of them. And I've been doing that type of content pretty much for TV and uh, digital spaces for the last, upwards of the last eight, nine years. I've worked with Yahoo. I've worked with Bleacher Report. I've worked with ESPN. I've worked with, um, I worked with NBA, NBA TV. I've worked with TNT for a little bit. So I've done some things uh, within the industry and sports industry as far as just getting my my stuff out there. Um, and like I said, I also just do rap music in general as well. So um, I live in New York now. I live in Harlem. I've uh, been here for seven years now. It's crazy. Seven years I've been in Harlem. Uh, it's been probably the, the biggest. Uh, I would say like Philadelphia is probably the most, most important. But I think being this time in New York has been the biggest influence on my music and my career uh, thus far. So that's where I'm at now. It's where I live in my head. Uh, you know, I love it here. So uh, living in New York City is far different from visiting. I lived in Jersey. I used to come. My parent, my, my I had family that lived in Brooklyn, and we used to come. You know, basically almost every weekend. But there's nothing like living in the city. You can't get that same experience. So it's been really, uh, it's really enlightening, and I've enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, that's dope. And you name some of the most influential dudes for me, um, mm -hmm. not just like as an artist back when I did spit, but just in general, you know, Raekwon especially, like that's one of the yeah. dudes um, that's heavily slept on from Wu-Tang that yeah. a lot of people don't talk about, but, you know, has been um, certainly hugely influential for a lot of New York rappers. Um, cool. And so, yeah, man, that's that's awesome that you were able to do so many different things and like implement what you cared about which was rapping and spoken word mm -hmm. into like your actual job right like a lot of folks they got to work that nine to five for the mm -hmm. money and then side hustle was like their creative aspect and it's yeah. dope that you were able to like infuse those two pieces together um mm -hmm. definitely shout outs to jersey uh you said you was from eo or used to live in eo uh used to live in, in yep essex county i lived in south orange and so shout outs to the right. oranges man no um, doubt. And, and definitely what you said about new york so my wife and i lived in queens uh mm -hmm. four years roughly three or four years and new york plays such a huge influence on me as a person and as a professional my family's from queens but i grew up in philly um and living in new york and spending a bunch of time i used to work in east harlem and so i already know okay. how harlem give it up I already had a couple yeah. people on the show from uptown so gotcha. you know definitely shouts out to uptown too and so yeah man you know let's definitely dive into it you you alluded to some of the work that you've already done and you said that so did you your first gig out of college was at espm first gig out of college i um it's funny because i <laughs> I actually, so what happened with, you know, they have career fairs and stuff like that. And ESPN came through to ask for resumes and stuff like that. And I handed my, handed mine in. That was probably like November of that college year. And then it got to like March and I was like, okay, I'm probably, I'm graduating in two months. I need to figure, figure out what I'm going to do. And I had literally been asking, like, has there been any word back from ESPN about these resumes? And it was like, no. And, uh, <laughs> that April, so it was probably about a, probably about like a month before I graduated. I got an email from a lady at ESPN asking to interview me, and I thought somebody was joking with me. I was looking around thinking somebody's playing a prank because, you know, at this point, <laughs> with a month to graduate, this type of stuff's not funny anymore. You know what I mean? Like, things are starting to get real. But it ended up being an actual interview. Um, went up to Bristol, uh, 
you know, interview with them, uh, went well, got a job, probably started working probably like a month and a half after I graduated. So um, I left, I graduated with college with already a job in hand, which these days it doesn't really happen. So um, that was pretty dope. Um, but yeah, so that, that was that. And then, like I said, uh, I, I was rapping all through college. And then when I got to ESPN, it was kind of like, I wanted to just kind of focus and just, you know, focus on being a professional, being, um, being a, being a TV guy. Uh, but you know, my frustrations with corporate America, um, caused me to pivot. I just wanted to, I just wanted to start doing something just kind of like to get my mind off things. You know, when you're, you're 22, 23, you know, first, your first bills are coming, your loans are coming up, you know, you, you're paying rent. You don't have, you don't really have any money to save and you feel like, yo, it's like, what's going on? And uh, also just the frustrations of just being a black man in corporate America. You know what I mean? You don't really realize the kind of things you're dealing with as far as like literally work, having to work twice as hard to get half as far, you know? Um, so, you know, you're dealing with, you know, obvious, it's not even, back then it wasn't obvious to me, but it was racism and you know, and um, favoritism and, you know, uh, just scrutiny that I didn't think that I deserved personally. But that, those kind of things and those stressors pushed me to start rapping again. And so once you made that move at ESPN to mm -hmm. start rapping again, um, and you said that you, like somebody heard your album or like heard the work that you put out, what was that feedback like? Like, how did that feel to have folks that you work with showing you that, showing you that love? Uh, it was a, it was a really good feeling, man. It was like, um, it was really like, uh, it was almost like mind blowing. Like, uh, you know, I remember I was when, when I, so I, I put the video out probably like a year before I put the album out and, you know, people start people were really loving the video, you know, and it kind of like pushed me to put a put like more music out. So I remember like the, when I was, I was shooting a video and I invited some people from the job to go. Or whatever the case may be, and I had told them that my album was coming out that that next week, or whatever the case may be. And I was talking to my homegirl, and she was, and I was, you know, I was, I was like, yo, everybody's like, I don't know what everybody's so excited for. It's just, just music. She was like, she says, uh, yeah, you know anybody else around here putting out an album? And I was like, no. I, so you know, I, I kind of, you know, took took kind of took that for granted, but that kind of put things in perspective for me. And then like when it came out, the love was just overwhelming. Everybody loved it. Um, I ended up sending the album. This is back in the day when we had inner office. So I had, I, I had CDs and, um, I, um, I sent one to Scott Van Pelt, just kind of cold. And I just sent him an email, like, you know, cause we were all on the same email chain, not chain, but like I have his email on the list I could find. So I just shot him an email and said, yo, you know, um, my name is such and such. Um, I'm a rapper. I know you like good rap music. I inner office you, uh, a CD. If you want to check it out, let me know. You know what I mean? And this is probably like he he had had like random conversations with me in the calf before about hoops, so I felt like you know what I might might just take a shot in the dark and, show, and send it to him. And then like three days later, he sent me an email back. Was like, yo, I love your album, da da da, so on and so forth. And it was cool. So him he and I developed a little bit of a rapport and a friendship after that, which was really cool. I love New York as a basketball town. It is a city game. The city loves it. The garden will be electrified. The garden's excited. I saw my man Yao here who works here. Big Nick fan, who's a rapper, by the way. We're going to get his CD some spins because it's good. And he's like, oh, I'm excited. I'm just excited. I'm like, good, be excited. Do you think you're better now than you were yesterday, appreciably, like in terms of championship? No, but people are excited. So good, be excited. But just recognize that there's still, a, there's still more work to be done here. You're not done working. So, um, yeah. And after that, you know, like, like I said, things kind of spawned off into, you know, Hey, you want to do a spoken word piece for the NFL? And I was like, ah, okay, sure. And we did one, uh, was like, in a, we did it in like a, the basement of the building. We shot in the basement of the building and, you know, we wrapped some other NFL video around it and people loved it. It got such a good response from in the building, outside the building. And then like when they released it on Twitter, on, on sports center or NFL countdown, I'm sorry. And I'm like, I don't want to say it blew up, but the response was so heavy. They were like, yo, could we do like six or six more of these? And then to be in a series where we did once every month for the season. And it was, like I said, well-received and I was really happy about it. So, um, yeah, just a blessing overall. Man, Scott Van Powell, SVP, giving you love for the album, dude. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's big right there. Yeah, man, for I, sure. I, I actually, I actually, so um, if you listen to one of my albums, my album called You're All Welcome, uh, I actually have an interlude with him in there. Um, he was actually on ESPN radio one day. Uh, right after the Knicks had, uh, right after the Knicks had uh, acquired Mellow, and he uh, said my name in this 
on 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 radio. He was like, I just spoke with my man Yao. So I threw that on the album as like an interlude going into the next song. So if you, you guys like want to check that out, it's on it's your all welcome is the album that's on. It's on all the digital streaming platforms. Uh so yeah, go check that out. Definitely. Shout out to Scott Van Pelt, definitely. Yeah, definitely shout out to Scott Van Pelt. Um I'm gonna actually go through the discography after this. Still yeah, yeah, sure. Bars, hey man, for sure. Look, um, they say they say good music has no expiration date, so it's there right. whenever. You know what I'm saying? Listen, I'm so. still listening to early '90s rap. So, <laughs> oh man, oh, I was I just had a conversation with, with um my homegirl yesterday. We still listen to I still listen to Wool. I still listen to Redman. I still listen to whenever it pops up. I don't. There's a there's like a, a slew of big songs I never skip either. Like I just have to when they come on. It's just very nostalgic for me, so I gotta like get back into that zone. So. Yeah, I was listening to uh, "There Is a Dark Side" from Red like oh, yeah. weeks ago, man. Oh, That's yeah. one of my favorite albums, not yeah. just from him, just period. Period. Um, yeah, just raw, just straight from the straight from like yeah. like you said from the basement, man. You could tell like that really came from the heart for him. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you said you mentioned working with like several other outlets as well. So mm-hmm. at what point did you transition from ESPN, and then where did you head next? So oddly enough. Um, I got laid off from ESPN, um, which was uh, the kind of like a, it was a, it was like it was something something that I wanted to happen. Not necessarily want, I wanted to leave ESPN, but not necessarily leave ESPN. I won't say I wanted to leave Bristol. I wanted to get back down to New York City. I wanted to start you know getting my getting my career you know kind of navigated in, in, in a certain respect. Um, but I ended up getting laid off because I, and I was actually trying to position myself. I was actually trying to like you know finagle myself to have a position at espn but like not what i was doing there in production just kind of more of a creative role and then i ended up getting laid off so that kind of threw a wrench in things um but um i just kind of took a break from all of it i I ended up doing another season of journey pieces which was the spoken word piece that i did two years later i did a whole season worth of those and then things kind of got slow so i started i was working for a hospital trying to figure out things and you know um you know, I was trying to figure out what, what my next move was, and I didn't get, wasn't getting any work like that. And then I ended up getting another spot um, to do for NBA, uh, NBA.com slash TNT. They had an online digital show, and I did something for the playoffs, and that kind of got the uh, the ball rolling again. So then from then, it was like TNT, then it was Bleacher Report, then it was Yahoo, um, then it was Pac-12 Network, and I've uh, done stuff for uh, Spectrum L- L- LA. I've done a few things for a lot of people, so... It's been a blessing, man, since then, like to just be able to, to work with a lot of reputable, um, popular uh, digital spaces to kind of get my name out there and um, also just give them good content that they can uh, use forever. Yeah, definitely. And so, Yao, do you have like a favorite moment or you you mentioned Scott Van Pelt listening to the album um, and also getting the shout outs on the radio? That's dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you did spots for all of the different places that you mentioned. So it seems like you've done creative work a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. Is there one opportunity that stood out to you the most? And then why would that be? Oh, man. Um, so I, I won't. I didn't get the opportunity, but the the the, the shock moment for me was. Um, I want to say the year after I did the first set, series of pieces for ESPN. There was a big meeting for uh, Madden coming up the year after, and I had a couple friends that were there at the at the meeting. It's probably rumor, it was rumor like seventy, eighty people, and some random like white lady stood up and was like, they were talking about ideas for the game, and she was like, "Hey, ESPN has this guy that does this poetry thing for 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 uh, football. What do we think about getting him?" And it was, and my homie texted me immediately like, "Yo, she just mentioned your name," and I was like. That was like surreal for me because I was like, okay, this is this is something that really got out there and that people really love and people really actually respect and you know took took heed to. You know what I mean? So that was that was the best moment for me. All the other stuff is cool because because me personally, I think, you know, I I do this more for, I don't say more for respect because we all we all want money out of that at the end of the day. We all want to be be you know have something lucrative that you know pays bills and things like that. But I've always just wanted to be respected as a artist or um an mc so to speak so those are the moments that are really key for me you know what i mean those are the ones that kind of stick out and really land for me yo madden that's big man that's somebody yeah. that's been playing madden since 93 bro yeah man, man. <laughs> like i mean i mean you you, you i mean you, you like you said you know how it is like we when you grew up on madden it's like that's like the pinnacle of like 
video games and somebody says that it's like yo they want somebody somebody actually thought that I, that I was good enough to be like on madden that's just out of control of me so it was a, like i said it was a good look definitely ego boost for me uh i'll never forget it and uh yeah <laughs> just a great look definitely you're listening to the third lap podcast with mal davis yeah once again this is mal davis on a third lap podcast with yao g's um talking about his professional endeavors let's take a moment though and like dig really into the rap man um, you, you said that you started off, you know, really organic from the basement, just spitting bars. How'd you even end up rapping? Like, what even led you down that pathway in the first place? I don't even know, man. So I, I remember in high school, we had, it's funny, in high school, you know, we had, so we, they gave us laptops my last couple of years there. We were like one of the first schools in the area, whoever were like, had laptops for kids. So, you know, a couple cats found a couple like blog sites, you know what I mean? They were kind of like online listservs that people were just kind of spitting it, like writing a verse or whatever. So we do that. And then we we started like, we had to find a recording program on our little recording program. So we used to spit acapella, acapella verses and send them to each other throughout the campus, like to my boys and all that. But it wasn't, any, it wasn't anything serious. Um, then I got to college. Uh, there was a guy who was doing a radio show. I'll never forget it. I never every Thursday night it was a radio show, and you know he started having cats come up there, spit verses. And after like the second one, I was like, I think I could do that. I could write a verse and go down there and spit it, and I think it'd be dope. So went down there, you know, you know I want to spit a verse. He's like, oh, he's like, cool. You come through, come through tonight, Thursday, whatever. So I went there Thursday night, spit the verse on live live radio, and everybody loved it. Campus caught wind of it, and it was just like, okay. I think I got something here, and I, I and I've always loved just the idea of rapping. Like, like even when you, even when I was rapping along to other songs, I always rapped them better than my friends. You know what I mean? I was always like on cue, on I had breath control, all that. You know what I mean? W- way better than a lot of my friends that used to try to you know, mimic raps or whatever. So, yeah, so that kind of spawned in me just write writing freestyles every week, every 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 week or so, every two weeks, whatever the case may be. Later that year, I started doing songs in the summer. A couple of years ago, started just a couple of years later, started doing songs in the summer at some random studio in the basement with my with a couple of homies, just kind of you know drinking and just kind of spitting freestyles and writing or whatever the case may be. And that kind of spawned into, you know, evolved into me writing songs later on and you know putting together actual projects. So you know, it's a it's like I said, it's an evolution just of the it's the it's the quintessential evolution, basically. It's just like, you know, you start one thing, you just kind of keep getting better, keep doing it, keep getting better. And it kind of evolves into a thing where, you know, you could just, now you have like a lot of content that you could just put out and give to the people. So that was, that was, that's how it's, that's how it really started. You know what I mean? Just listen, like listening to a lot of my favorite rappers, mimicking them, and then like wanting to mimic that with my own verses. So that's, that was the main, that was the main thing, main reason why I started rapping. Yeah, so that the piece around like mimicking your favorite rappers, you mentioned when we first jumped on quite a few people that you listened to and then got to college, started listening to like AZ and Nas. Who would you say was like most influential for you in regards to your style and the bars that you spit? There's so many people, man. That's such a loaded question. I, see, for me, I, I always wanted to capture people like Big did, right? That was like my ultimate goal. But then like, I also wanted to sound gr- as gritty as Beanie Siegel. And I always wanted to like be as intellectual as Nas. And I wanted to have like, I wanted to be just be, just be a natural, natural rap, rap rapper. So there's a lot of guys. I was, I would say if I had to pick like three, I would say big and then there's Beanie Siegel. And it's probably like, Jay's always my favorite, been my favorite rapper. So I, I would say Jay. I mean, I know it sounds like cliche, but those, those are the three, you know what I mean? Like I couldn't go anywhere. When I was in 10th, 10th 11th grade, I, could, I wouldn't go anywhere without my volume one CD in my lifetime. I would not go anywhere without that CD. Nowhere. I, would, I was listening to that on the way to practice, on the way to games, you know what I mean? In between time when I was at homeroom, when I was in study hall, whatever. Like I was listening to that album all the time. So those, those would be the three. I say Beans. I, and it changes too. As, I, as I've gotten older, I'd probably say either even more like Fonte from Little Brother is one of my favorites. Uh, I love Elzai. There's so many. There's, there's so many things that I appreciate about a lot of rappers that I wanted to kind of incorporate in my own style. That I, the, the list is just is is just so long. I'm not even sure if we have enough time to even go through it, honestly. But there's a lot of rappers, definitely. Those, those are just some of the some of the main ones that I am influenced by. 
Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned the the hard knock, or uh, you mentioned volume one. So that was me with hard knock white volume two. Yeah, like, I ain't go anywhere without that man. Like I listened to that joint nonstop. I remember going to the mall, and it's for the, some of the young folks that don't even remember record mm-hmm. stores and CD mm-hmm. stores. Like I remember going to the CD store. I had a CD Walkman, put mm-hmm. it in, and like I don't know if I ever put that thing back down again. Like I Bro, wore that CD out. I I remember the day. I remember exactly everything that happened that day. It was September 29th of 1998 for Volume 2. My homie and I, I, we were so hyped because he was such an OutKast fan. And he put me on OutKast. I put him on the J. Um, And we we went to Sam Goody. Sam Goody uh, Music Store back in, like, from way back in the day. Y'all probably have no idea what it it even is. Um, And we went in there. We were like, yo. I cop the J, you cop that, you cop the uh outcast, and we'll dub it on tapes when we get back to the room. You know what I'm saying? That that's how like that's how that's how far I go back I go with uh with J and Outcast. You know what I mean? So it was uh that was that was that was a life-changing album for me as well. Like volume one and volume two are very close to me uh, as far as my, my upbringing. Man, I definitely remember dubbing tapes, mm-hmm. dubbing it off Hot 97, you know, oh, yeah. having to flip the tape over, you of know, course. at like one o'clock in the morning when there was no, when they could play all the explicit joints, the of underground course. rap, and you like, yep. you, you recording everything you could get your hands on, man, yep. and spreading it around school the next day. Just so you could have it. And also part of it, you wanted to be, you wanted to be the man. You wanted to be the guy who had it, who everybody wanted to come listen to it. Like, it's, it's a little bit of like an ego thing to it as well. Like, yo, you heard that new, you heard the J Freestyle? Nah, y'all got it. It's like, yo, you gotta come see, you gotta come see the God. You know what I mean? You gotta come see me. So that was that was that was a good feeling, definitely. Yeah, for sure. And so I'm looking at your discography now. Mm-hmm. Um, so Hump Day 2014, You're All Welcome 2019, Back to the Basement 2020. Uh, when did Entry Level drop? Entry Level actually dropped in 2010. So I dro- I put it on uh, DSPs, digital streaming platforms, for the 10 year anniversary on November 5th. So it's on there. Because the full range, you can hear the, all the growth from, you know, uh, from me as an as a young MC, so to speak, to where I'm at now. It's a, uh, it's really even enlightening for me, honestly. So, pretty good. I love the the cover of Entry Level, what you sit in there with the tie on, just looking really just disinterested in the corporate yeah. world. Um, so definitely, folks, check out Yao G's on Spotify. All the albums are up here. Um, like he said, you could listen to his progression from entry level all the way up to back to the basement. Um, like I said, I'm looking forward to digging into this myself once we get off of here. I'm going to definitely run through the music, man, and show love. And so with these albums, um, and this is a loaded question too, I asked quite a few of them, so we'll get over That's it. Fine. Yeah, of um, course, of course. But do you have a favorite out of these? Do one of these stick out to you more than any of the other ones? Oh, man. Somebody just asked me this question, honestly. So I, here's what I'll say. Um, I had the most fun making Hump Day. I had the most, it was a fun experience. Like, so I had actually taken a week off of work. I came down to Brooklyn. Uh, my man, Sice from, um, from the Lords. Now, they were true to life back then, back then but they're Lords now. Uh, he and I spent like a week in the basement uh, bouncing ideas off, doing hooks, doing verses. And we, I think we, I want to say in that week span, we probably did like 12 songs. I had I had a lot of them written and you know and ready to go already, but um you know we did like twelve songs in the week and I came back once I got laid off we really started to hash out like exactly what was going to be on the album you know started doing some other more songs and kind of figuring out what angle we were going to go with so that that was the most fun I think my best album is You're All Welcome though top to bottom I think that's my uh that's my favorite that's, that's probably my favorite album out of the three a lot of people who have and I I think I think it just comes down to a lot of people have different favorites, obviously, but I think a lot of the times people pick their favorite based on the first time they heard you. So a lot of my friends from ESPN are like, yo, Entry Level is still my favorite album. You know what I mean? But there's some people who are like, yo, I love Hump Day. I love You're All Welcome. So I'm just happy that people like a lot of different things as opposed to like everybody streamlining and only liking one thing. It's very good to have variety of things that people like. So that's a cool thing. And I think that that speaks to your versatility too, right? That like yeah. people have found value in all of your work and not just one. Because I feel like if everybody was like, I just like Hump Day, like, mm-hmm. all right, so like maybe I wasn't bringing it on the other Jones the way I yeah. probably could have. But the yeah. fact that it's sort of like dispersed across the board means that, yo, you're doing it, man. And you provided yeah. something for everybody from different walks of life for sure. Yeah. 
And so talk to me a little bit about the the Lakers championship piece, too. So this is actually the first time I got introduced to your music and was like, all right, now I want to dig a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I love the video. I love the concept. The bars for sure was on point. I remember I commented on it and reshared it. I was like, like, check this out because, like, yeah, Yeah. I was killing this for real. So would um talk to us a little bit about this man about the video like how did this all come together for you so i um so first so you know I, like i said i've been doing this type of content for um uh, ten, 10 years at this, at this point upwards friend of mine the dude who produced the produced the track actually he and i have a um conglomerate a, a collaborative effort that we do called theme music and he's actually used to do a lot of this type of content back in the day for um best dance sports show and some other entities on the west coast so uh, i met him through a mutual friend on xbox one day probably like six, six years ago we know we started doing music together and things of that nature so we decided to um you know start doing this type of content and it's, our first piece we did was for john morant for rookie of the year and that went viral and then uh we decided to like to do a lakers piece just if they want i think they had one i think they had one game two and he called me he was like Yo, we should do a lakers piece so he, just because we, we thought they were going to sweep, you know what I mean? So we thought it was going to be over. So uh, I immediately just got to, you know, writing, writing, and he sent me a beat, went to go record it. And then we had like another three days to do the video because we thought they were going to sweep. We did the video. We shot the video that night on a Sunday, but they ended up losing two games after that, after they were up 3-0. So um, it was a, we were able to kind of, you know, space it out, do some more editing to it as well. Uh, my videographer, my man, his name is uh, – he goes by Robert Scuzz. His name is Kofi, though. Um, he's been my videographer for a long time. Used to used to work with him at ESPN, and he uh, he moved down to New York as well to do his own thing. And uh, he's always he, he's always he's always good visually as far as creating it, creating the the uh, the visual we're looking for to, to match the um, the music. So he he knew of a couple Kobe murals that were painted in the city. Uh, that one in particular was on the Lower East Side um by a dude it was painted by a dude named mad steez he and we got we got up there and it was like this is not a regular this is not a regular mural you know what i mean this is like a like huge mural a lot of a lot of the murals you'll see are like are painted on like a a garage door or, or a storefront or whatever the case may be this was like huge so it really gave us a good visual good color um it happened to be a nice day that day as well so you know we had a lot of fun shooting a video and you know we you know I, i'm not i'm not necessarily a Laker fan but I, Kobe's my favorite player of all time, and I love LeBron. So, um, not to say it was nothing is easy for me to to write. I, mean, I won't say it's easy to write, but it kind of it came together quite nicely. You know what I'm saying? So that also went viral because of, you know Josiah Johnson saw it on Twitter and retweeted it, and it went up. And Jim, then I, um, I'm Jamel Hill saw it and retweeted it, and it went up. So it was it was a good look. People liked it, and you know I can't. I don't have any complaints, man. You know what I mean? Like, as long as I put the content out that people like, that's all I can really ask for. Everything else after that is um, is a bonus. Nah, I'm not surprised that Josiah and Jamel ended up retweeting it because the joke was fire, man. And, you know, that mural, that Kobe mural is crazy. Yeah, Um, it's crazy. You know, definitely RIP to Kobe. Myself, I'm a huge LeBron fan, too. Mm -hmm. I was mad because... When he was making his decision around whether he was going to go to L.A. or not, there was rumblings he might come to Philly and join the Sixers, and they was yeah. making a pitch. Uh-huh. And when he went to L.A., I was like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> it I mean, was going to change the whole franchise, man, yeah. for real. It, it would have been, been nice to have, honestly, to have LeBron in Philly. I would have easily driven two hours to go see LeBron play anywhere. It would not matter at all. Like, I would definitely do that, no question about it. Uh, to have LeBron in the East Coast would have been, been nice. But, you know, he chose L.A., um and he you listen everybody all of a sudden wants to go east because lebron went west you know what i'm saying like people know just to let you know how great lebron is that's how great he is you know what i'm saying so big shout to lebron too and it's funny you say that because i saw somebody tweet yesterday it was like it's crazy how everybody's headed east now and i'm like because of lebron's the lebron effect like everybody ran west because they didn't want to bang with him in the east now he in the west and everybody running to the east because they don't want to bang with him in the west man they know Um, and they him know. and AD is a, is a heck of a combination for sure. You know, shouts out um, to LeBron again for winning that chip. And listen, the opportunities that LA could afford him, Philly never could. So, yeah. you know, I, I got why he did it because he's a yeah. business. He is, um, you know what I mean? Definitely. And, and so we had a chance to 
yeah, we had a chance to talk about like your your corporate work and the work that you've done. We got a chance to dig into your your creative aspects as well and like the albums that you've put out and just the music that you've done uh, just across the board since you started. Um, that John Moran rookie joint was tough too. That's my man. I love John Moran. And so yeah, that was actually so I was wrong. I saw that one first and then saw the Lakers championship piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and both of them crazy and like what really attracted me and what keeps me interested in people's music is the bars right mm-hmm. like the beats could be dope like jada said like uh y'all need the beats for help we help the beats help it's the like beat. you know i listen to people and what they say um mm-hmm. and then like if the beat is dope with it too okay but like i've listened to acapella joints because people was just con- completely killing it um yeah. and so you know i can say for sure y'all that like you have the bars and clearly have the talent and the passion for it so uh, that's why i was so excited for us to talk today um, but this wouldn't be the third lab podcast if we didn't talk about like some of the struggles that you had to overcome to get to where you are, right? And one of the things that I heard you mention was some of like in corporate America facing like as you thought about it later on, some of just the racism that happened. And like you don't necessarily have to name like what it was or where it happened, but I would love to just hear about like what if you have to overcome just to even get to where you are and continue to do what you do? Yeah, man. So like sometimes for me, you know. When I used to get like, I don't want to say reprimanded, but I used to get, you know, spoken to about things at the job, whatever the case may be, I was trying desperately not to feel like I was being singled out or trying desperately not to feel like it was because I was black. Because I felt like, you know, I was not trying to use that excuse. I was trying to move past that, you know, when in, my, in my early 20s, because I was just like, you know what? No, I got to be better. I need, I need to be better. But then when you, when you get older, you start to realize that you know, a lot of, even when, even now that I'm in a higher position, even my corporate job right now, you start to realize that things are just not on an equal playing field. They just aren't, you know what I mean? Like the same things that, uh, uh, Colston, Colton can get away with, you know what I mean? Like Raheem can't, that's just, that's just how it's, how it's built. So I know when I was younger, you know, just little things like, you know, walking in 30 seconds late, you know what I mean? Or a minute late. And that, that kind of raises a red flag. I have a very, and I'm very, and my projects very well. So it's, I'm perceived as the loud black, like loud black guy. You know what I mean? So those, there's type, the type of you know stigmas that were put on me. Um, you know, it just was. It, you, you deal with a lot. You know what I mean? Like even with music, like some of the, some of the um, downfalls I had with that. Like I can remember going to talent shows and clearly being the most talented one there. And that's not even trying to trying to big myself up there. Like I can remember performing. I can remember a dude I was competing against telling me like, "Yo." You wrapped it. You wrapped this shit up. Like you bodied this shit. There's no way you're losing. I'm, 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 I consider myself to be a humble guy, but then like losing to somebody that I know wasn't like even in my class. You know what I'm saying? That type of stuff kind of makes you want to, you know, rethink things. You know what I mean? Like I can remember. Oh man, I got so many stories. I can remember. Uh, we went down to Miami to go shoot a music video, and. Um, we ended up getting, uh, at the time, she wasn't, but probably like four weeks after the video, she ended up being Joe, Joe Button's girlfriend and ended up being like one of the more Googled women uh, on, the, on, on the net at the time. And we got her in the video for free, just, just walking in the middle of the street. And um, it was a video for one of my songs on entry level called Me and More. And I was like, oh my God, like this is going to be, this might be a way to, for me to get like 20, 30,000 views on a video or a hundred thousand dollars views on a video. Cause she's, she's going to be in it. And, uh, the director lost the footage. I think his hard drive crashed. So yeah, like I've had to deal with that. And it's just like, then you deal with, you know, people not making people making promises that, you know, they can't keep and people being dishonest and, you know, everything costs money in this business. You know what I mean? There's just so much you have to, like I said, getting laid off, having to like pivot, and figure out how I'm going to be able to um, do music or how I'm going to be able to even just like, you know, feed myself or, you know, help out around the house with, with rent, with bills, how that type, that type of thing. You know what I mean? So, you know, you, but it all, it definitely all makes you stronger. Like that's, that's not cliche. All the stuff that you read, you go through, literally it prepares you for the next thing. It prepares you to have fast as to how to react to the next thing. Like you, you experience it is literally the best learner. You can't really, put a price on there. So like, you know, nowadays when I take my L's, I don't really, I know how to like, I know, I kind of know how to maneuver and pivot away from them if need be. You know what I mean? Because you realize that I realized that I wasted a lot of time back in the day dwelling on these things and, you know, 
uh, I remember the talent show. I was driving back up with my, with my wife, which which she was with me in the car, and I was like, "Yo, I don't want. I don't think I want to do this rap shit at all anymore, anymore." Because if it could happen like that, because they were giving away. Um, I think the winner was getting like a free music video shoot, which every independent artist could use, like eight hours of free studio time, free photo shoot. It was just like a whole bunch of stuff that I desperately needed to try to try to like put give me to the ne- not the next step, but at least put things in motion for me you know what i mean and uh it was it was disheartening at the time and i was re- ready to be like you know what i'm done but you sometimes your creative your creativity just takes over and you're like you know what i have all this content all this stuff in my brain if i don't let somebody hear it or put it down or record it i can't let it go to waste you know what i'm saying i remember um when i right when i got Another reason why I start, why, why I really continued to rap is right right when I graduated college, I went to a barbecue before I ended up going to Connecticut to work, and a friend of mine, uh, his name is Taki. I'll never forget this conversation. Uh, we were talking. He was like, "Yo, man," he was working at MTV at the time. MTV. He was doing like video work for MTV. He was like, "Yo, man, you still rapping?" I'm like, "Yeah, but I'm kind of I'm trying to buy the, buy the pivot and move on, to just like trying to focus on my career." He's like, and he just said, "Yo, man, you should keep rapping, man. Just, yo, keep writing." Cause you never know when it's you never know what it's going to lead to, and for whatever reason that that, just, that always sticks in my brain is the conversation that kind of was like the um, the transition for me as far as making sure that I was doing my due diligence as an artist as a creative, you know what I mean to make sure that I wasn't wasting the content that I was coming up with, you know what I'm saying? So um, shout out to big shout out to Taki. He probably doesn't even know or remember that conversation, but that 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 line rings off with me all the time. Keep writing. You never know what it's going to lead to. So here we are. You're listening to the Third Lap Podcast with Mal Davis. Yeah. Nah, definitely shouts out to Taiki, man. And it's funny yeah. because this that's how this podcast started, was like I needed a creative outlet. Like corporate-wise, mm-hmm. I was doing my job and everything was happening. But as we went through this pandemic and definitely after the Breonna Taylor and, and George Floyd sure. protests, I was like, yo, I'm losing my mind. Like, mm-hmm. I got to find a way to channel all of this frustration into something positive. Because I don't yeah. want to just be running through the streets crazy like a madman, right? And yeah. so, like, let me find a positive outlet for this. And, it's mm-hmm. and like, things that people told me over the years that I've talked to them on this podcast about, and many of them don't even remember it. But it's, it's funny how God talks through them to you. Yeah. Right? So, like, plant that seed in you right when you need it. So, you're like, oh, damn. All right. Yeah, let me keep writing, yo, because he's yeah. right. Like, you just never know where it could take me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, had he not told you that, who knows if you even end up here, right? Especially as, like, that was a pivotal moment for you of should I even still be doing this? And to mm-hmm. get that affirmation from him, um, yeah. seems as though, like, it continued to propel you forward into the future, which is dope. And, you know, it's a great sort of transition into what I want to talk about next here, which is really your motivation. You know, like, what, what motivates you? You've talked uh, on a few things here um, around like your creativity and just knowing that like this is something that you really care about and getting those affirmations along the way from people resharing your work and ESPN and Scott Van Pelt Dick in the work. But like ultimately, what keeps you going, man? When you wake up and you're like, all right, I'm putting out this new album. Like what keeps you wanting to do this? So, I, so first of all, I wake up and I, I literally... <laughs> Um, my wife is here. She's going to hear this at the first time, but she, she's never heard this before. But I literally scream out when I wake up most times, thankful. You know what I mean? Because you just, you never know. I, like I said earlier, I just can't, it'd be such a disservice to myself in my creativity if I wasn't, you know, at least working as hard as I could at it. You know what I mean? At least trying to write something every day. So I think my motivation is just, um, you know, I'm a big Kobe fan. It's just trying to be the best, my best self every single day when I wake up. You know what I mean? Like, and just to be, be to be have the respect of my peers um, means more to me than anything else. And I feel like you know everything else will fall into place after that. When you get the respect, when you do it for see when when you start doing things for money, I mean sometimes it works out for people. Most more often than not, it doesn't. You know what I mean? If you do it for the actual love of the craft that you're doing, everything else will will, will fall in line and, and take place. You know what I mean? So if, like I said, for me earlier, I told you. Like the one thing about me, I still rap and I still have my college friends approval in my mind. Like I'm always like, are they going to like this? Are they going to like this? Because I know if they like it, then most people are going to like it. You know what I mean? It's kind of, it's kind of a bridge. So I still keep that in mind, but like before I think about anybody else. And that's the kind of thing that keeps me going. Can I do it? And it's the, it's the reactions on people's faces. It's the, it's people writing my bars on Twitter. 
You know what I mean? Like, yo, that's crazy. Those, those, those are the type of things that keep me going and let me know that, like, this is not all in vain. It's worth something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, a homie, one of my homies, uh, not, one of my homies that has a friend who uh, DM'd me on, um, on IG and told me, like, yo, I want to let you know I've been in law school. Uh, it's my third try at the bar. And I was studying for it, and your album actually helped me get through it. It's just so inspirational, and I felt I felt like your album is the. I kept saying to myself, "It's a part only where Scott Van Pelt says, um, he says, um, you're not done working." He says that, and it's the, that's the end of the interlude. He's like, I would replay that to myself every single day, and it helped me get through. And he got his bar, and now he's working not working full time at a law firm as a as, as a as a resident lawyer. So, you know, those are the type of things that I hear what my music does for people, and it it, it keeps me going. Definitely. Those are the type of things. And that's the power of music, right? Is that it sits with people in so many different ways and, you know, how you spit it and how they interpret it might not Mm -hmm. even be the same, right? Like Mm -hmm. what what you were trying to say and like how they heard it. It's like, okay, like it's cool that it resonated with you like that. And I'm glad that that motivated you. Um, And it's awesome that you're getting the love that you that you're getting at this point, man. You absolutely deserve it um, because you keep putting the bars together and you keep working. Um, And, you know, I was just talking to someone earlier before we jumped on and I told her the power of networking is like one of the biggest things that you can do. Um, And I had somebody tell me, you know, it's not who you know, but it's who knows you. And that was the the piece that you said around the, the white woman that mentioned you in the Madden meeting was like, okay, nobody had to mention, like, you didn't have to bring that to them. Like, they almost brought that to you because Definitely. of the work that you're doing and how it resonated with people. And so, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm excited to dig further into the music, man. You know, yeah. as we, when we post this um, episode, I'm going to post to your Spotify so people can go and listen to your your albums as well um, and also stuff to your videos that you have out for John Morant and the, and the Lakers championship piece um, because most of the people I know if they are in the rap they're here for the bars man like people yeah. not really into the candy rap like I'm 35 and so most of the people yeah. my age like we came up in that era of like real right if you couldn't spit you didn't get no shine like you was, didn't get no, no shine there was no, yeah, there was, was no there was, place for you to exist there was no there was no limelight for you. There was no there was no lane for you. you I mean, if you wanted to make bubblegum music, fine, but like nobody was gonna be checking for you. And it's it's different now. I don't hate on that aspect of rap either because I feel like now that I've been in studios with a lot of younger cats and now that I've having had experience with a lot of younger cats, there's a talent to that also that I ha- that I've gained an appreciation for. But I still come from the school of yo, give me your best sixteen bars. You know what I'm saying? Like, get, what what are you saying in your rhymes? Are you are you gonna make me go ooh? When I hear when I hear a bar, that's the thing that that I, that's the school of rap that I come from, and it's a school that, it's a school of rap that I'm trying to you know keep pushing forward through my music. For sure, man, definitely no hate on the younger rappers. Uh, something that Gucci said years ago that really resonated with me was like, "You can't keep hating on these young dudes because this is where the music is headed." And yeah. you know, he mentioned that he became basically the A and R of Atlanta because he had his ear to the streets and he was able to adapt to like that transition in music that was happening. Um, and so, yeah, you know, it's it's been really dope connecting with you today. Um, you know, I would love to. So at this point um, is like the motivational thoughts for the people. So, like I said, this is really just a chance for you to kind of stamp your message today. Two to three minutes of like, if all a person hears from this episode is this piece right here. What is it that you want them to walk away with? First of all, live your life. Do things that you really that you really want to do and you're really passionate about. There's been times when people, the people, people, in my family told me, you know what, you shouldn't be rapping when you're going to grad school, you know, but I realized that that stuff doesn't make me happy. You know what I mean? Rapping makes me happy. Making music makes me happy. Creating makes me happy. You know what I mean? And, and, and you know, pe- people have their own set of goals set aside f- for you, but they're not your goals. So make sure you make your, make your goals what they are and make them, make sure they're, they're true to you and true to who you want to be in the future. And as far as just musically, like, if you're if you're into rap music and you're into legitimate lyricism and you have a uh, a want to learn from uh rap music then i i think that you'll enjoy discography and the uh the content that i've put out just go check check it out it's all over the the, the uh digital space and uh, i just hope, hope hope also hope that it inspires um anybody to do whatever they want to do i can remember Another conversation I had with my homie, his name is Kev. When I was I was about 34, 35, thinking about stopping rapping again because I felt like I was getting too old. 
And my man, Kev, was, I was like, yo, I'm about to quit this shit. And Kev was like, yo, what do you mean? And I was like, I'm getting too old. And he says to me, he's like, yo, um, if you were a piano player at 35, would you quit? And I was like, no. He was like, if you played clarinet, would you quit playing clarinet because you were 35 years old? And I was like, nah. He was like, this is your craft. This is what you do. You should try to do it for as long as possible. Like as long as you're on it, as long as you're capable of doing it, you should do it. And that's another another pivotal moment in my life that kind of just allowed me to keep doing, keep writing raps. Because, you know, there's a stigma on rappers being too old. But now, you know what I mean? Like, there are plenty of rappers who are putting out great music in their 40s. So, you know, it's we're still it's, it's still a young genre of music, but I think there's still a lot we can learn. And I think there's still a lane for adult contemporary hip hop, so to speak. So if you're into into any of that, go check out my discography. You can like, share, comment, whatever you, however you feel about it. And as long as you take something from my music, then, I, then my job is done. Yo, and big shout outs to Kev for that one, man. And that's an argument that I had in college when I went to Full Sail because mm-hmm. a lot of the dudes that played drums and played guitar, they was like, yo, rap is not real music. And mm-hmm. I was like, all right, the same way I can't play the drums, you can't get on a microphone and spit not nothing anybody's trying to listen to, right? And so, like, this is respect the artistry, man. And so, as rappers, I, I really hope that what you just said resonates with somebody or people yeah. that listen to this that are spitting bars because, yo, wow, what he said is so true. Like, if you play piano at 35, like, you just hitting your stride. Like, you playing till you, till you get arthritis in your fingers, yeah. man. <laughs> and then you figure out how to keep playing because that's, that's who you are and that's what you do. You do. And so definitely shouts out to Kev because, like, that's a big, that's big motivation. And it sounds like you have and can, you had and continue to have the right people around you back against it, like that network of people because yeah. you need your folks to support you, man. Like, you know, I'm fortunate to have, like, my wife and I'm sure you do too and, like, family and friends. But yeah. sometimes it's also, like you said, that random stranger that don't know much about you that's, like, yo, keep doing what you're doing. Like that yeah. one day I was tripping about the podcast. I'm like, man, is this even doing anything? And I'll go on Apple Music and I'll see a review from somebody I don't even know personally. And it was real love. And I'm like, oh, damn. All right, let yeah. me keep rocking then. Um, it's just like as, that. As long as it's out there, somebody's going somebody's gonna to listen to it and they can feel how they want to feel about it. They can love it. They can hate it, whatever the case may be. But when they love it, like I said, it lets you know that it's not in vain. Somebody's listening. Somebody identifies with it. And, you know, somebody relates to it. And that's really all you can ask as an artist or as, as a creative. You know what I mean? All the other stuff comes will come after as long as you stay true to it. That's what I truly believe. For sure, man. And so, again, y'all, y'all, we're getting to the end of the podcast here. Um, sure. What are some books that you've read or that you're currently reading that have been influential for you? Um, I'm right now. So I'm actually reading the um, – let me grab this right now. Hold on. I'm grabbing – I'm re- reading the – uh, Prince's last interview, the last interview. Um, so it's not, it's not necessarily his last interview, but it's like a group. It's like, it's basically just shows his growth interviews. I mean, I'm at a midway point right now where he's just starting to get comfortable interviews and just starting to get ready to talk. But it's funny how you, how you progress as a, as a young cat, not very talkative, you know what I mean? Not very jovial, uh, very, very one word answery. And, um, and uh, he ends up, you know, being becoming Prince and just saying things that he wants to stay still in his still in element, still, you know, with, with a little bit of um, a, not, not, not necessarily brashness, but like they say that Prince sometimes seems standoffish. But the things that he says, says on interviews are very powerful. So I'm reading that. I just picked up a, a, a Yajiasi book called uh, Transcendent Kings Kingdom, Transcendent Kingdom. So I'm going to get to that. Um, it's been so. Uh, another book that I've read called. Um, oh, I, I have the. I was. I keep this on deck as well. The Kobe Bryant Mama Mentality book as well. But there's another book. But um, I've read called uh, Never Ran Ever Will by my man Alberts. Uh, Albert. He wrote a book about. Um, I, I'm in. I'm in. A, I'm into like like a, a lot of like nonfiction books and things of that nature. This is a story about a um, a pop Warner football team in Brooklyn. They're still trying to get, trying to get over the hump after losing funding and, uh, you know, losing players to the streets, so to speak. You know what I mean? So those are the, those are the probably the three I'd mentioned right now. Uh, books that have been influential. I, I mean, I can't say there's, there's so, I mean, I, I haven't been a huge reader over the time as far as books are concerned, but, um, uh, what, what book was I reading? I read like a lot of motivational books when I do read, like I, I got a few back there. I couldn't even tell you what I have essentially, but 
uh, those I, I do read. And this is the main one I'm reading right now, Prince's last interview. So, yeah, that reminds me of uh, a book I bought not too long ago, which was uh, the speeches of Malcolm X. Um, mm. And it's sort of like the same thing. It's kind of like the progression of Malcolm as a revolutionary from mm. sort of like his inception with the nation of Islam all the way towards the end of like the NOI and him breaking apart and him kind of going on his own. And it's funny, like you said, how you can just see and, and read the progression of a person as not only they get older, but the things that they interact with and mm -hmm. as their influence grows, how they just become more comfortable in who they are and what they're talking about. Um, so I definitely got to check out that Prince book because uh, I became a fan of Prince much later in life and then you know when he Same. passed away like i was Same. like oh man like you know listening to his music was just crazy it's like yeah. prince was always that like enigmatic kind of erratic dude that everybody yeah. kind of made fun of but like yo he was a musical genius genius like, and, and, undisputed and it's funny with me because i didn't really get into prince probably till i was like even into my early early 30s you know what i mean like i know prince songs here and there but as far as like listening to actual projects from prince and listening to like knowing about discographies and people he's worked with. I really didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know much about it. I was a Michael Jackson guy, as, as a lot of us are, I think, in this, in this age. But Prince is definitely like one of the, uh, is a musical genius. That's not like hyperbole. That's a, a true, true fact. Like, plays all the instruments. Never, even when I was reading the book, he never really learned how to play. He just kind of just, he just kind of caught it and had it. You know what I mean? So that's how you know. They, they say genius, they say, they say, um, what's the quote? Um, Talent can, talent can see, okay, talent can hit a target that nobody can hit, but genius can see a target that nobody can see. And that's what, that's what Prince is. So um, when you read about Prince and you read about what he's done in studios and how he's come up with music, you'll be truly amazed, definitely. Yeah, and that's a dope quote. I love that. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I'll Thank you for sharing the reading list and I'll post all of the books that you've mentioned on the thirdlabpodcast.com under our reading section so people can check into those books as well. Um, and definitely shoot me over any other material that you feel like could be motivational to people also. And so as we close out here, where can people find you on social media and where can people find your music? Oh, uh, yeah. So um, I'm Yao G's music. I'm on IG and Twitter. Yao G's is spelled Y-A-W-G-E-E-Z music uh that's on ig and twitter um my music is on all uh digital streaming platforms that's title that's apple music that's spotify that's google music amazon uh the list goes on um i have four albums out there i've got some uh, i got a youtube page with a lot of my videos there from work that i've done with yahoo espn um uh bleacher report a lot a lot of a lot of different content on there so check me out uh run up the streams as they say like, share, comment, uh, save, because that's the only way the uh, algorithm works. And it, uh, it'll, when you do that, it helps get the word out to other people. And that's all we're really looking to do. We just want get to get our content out to as many people as possible. So I, pre I appreciate the love. Uh, follow me. I follow back. I'm not one of those guys who, who doesn't. And uh, yeah, um, holler at me. I just followed you on Instagram, but definitely uh, shout outs to you. You know, I love everything you share on Twitter and it's not just music. Like you talking about life, you talk about a bunch of different things. You reshare things from other folks that you rock with. Um, it's always something informational, informative, educational, always a way to learn. And so I love that part for sure. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, we, we made it to the end again. I appreciate you, my brother. Any last yeah. words that you want to share? Um, yeah, man, everybody, like I, I just try, just try to be, I mean, throughout, throughout everything that we're going through right now with this pandemic and, you know, and, um, hope everybody's able to stay safe, stay motivated um, in these tough times. Stay still. Be still. That's also key. So I just hope everybody's uh, staying safe and staying still. Hopefully we'll get out of this soon. And I appreciate everybody's uh, comments and uh, follows going forward. Appreciate y'all. Absolutely. And once again, this is Mal Davis on from the Third Lap Podcast. Um, signing out with Yao G's. Each one, teach one. We all learn together. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Third Lap Podcast. This is your host, Mal Davis. Please visit thethirdlappodcast.com for more information about the podcast, about our guests, and also to see our reading list. You can find us at the Third Lap Podcast on LinkedIn and Facebook 
at third lap on Twitter and at third underscore lap underscore podcast on Instagram. If you know anyone that would be great to be featured on this show, please reach out to our host, Mal Davis. He's always looking for interesting people to learn more about them and to talk about their pathway. Thank you so much again. Have a good one.